got exactly double the amount that I asked for. And it literally came in 30 minutes after after I did the spell, 30 minutes after I petitioned Hades, and he said, yep, received, you're good. Welcome to Diaries of a Witch podcast. You're in the right place if you're looking to manifest your soul's desires. I'm your host, Angelica Krejci. I'm a spiritual business mentor, astrologer, and high priestess of Hades. Each week, I'll be sharing tools, stories, and concepts that will help you manifest your legacy. Let's get started with the next entry in our diary. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Um, Today, it is the first week of October and that means that things are really spooky over here in Salem, Salem, Massachusetts, Um, and things are getting colder, the leaves are falling, like all beautiful, wonderful things are happening. I hope where you are, um, you're experiencing that. Um, or if you're in a different part of the world that's not experiencing fall, I hope you're enjoying the present moment and the weather wherever you are located. Okay, so since this month is October um, and we're getting into, like, we're currently in Libra season, but we'll be getting into, like, Scorpio season, magic, occult, um, all sorts of, yeah, like, witchcraft, underworld stuff um, kind of associated with this month and with October and Scorpio season, I definitely want to do podcast episodes that are associated with that theme, right? And I mean, you know everything about me (laughs) and what I do and what I talk about has to do with those things, right? Like we know this, but I was thinking of just diving a little bit deeper into that. Um, And so the first episode this month to kick off our October Halloween celebration is going to be all all about my relationship with Hades um, and like my favorite stories that I have working with Hades. Um, Some of my favorite things that have happened, either spiritual experiences, paranormal experiences, um, or just like moments where I really felt like held and supported um, by Hades, my patron deity, the deity that I work with probably the most and um, serve and, you know, help others work with him as well, right? So we're going to go and dive into that and just my relationship with Hades in general. You might have heard me talk a little bit about Um, how I began my relationship with him. And I talked about that in the first, very, very first episode of this podcast. So I'm just going to kind of like go over it briefly and then dive into some of my favorite stories with me and Hades. So Hades is the Greek god of the underworld. He's not the god of death. That is a deity called Thantanos, but Hades rules over the underworld. He is the king. He's kind of like the CEO, right? Like he, you know has complete rulership over the realm as well as the operations of the other deities and whatever happens right in the underworld so there's lots of different experiences that people go through um, and souls go through when they enter the underworld Um, and the whole point of it is to prepare them to be reincarnated into another life that is at least the most widely held um, kind of understanding of the Greek underworld and by the things that are in the underworld and the people and the deities and just everything about the way that the underworld works and what we know about the underworld, it sort of prepares people for um, reincarnation and to 
live a different fate and um, experience new things in new lives, etc. Hades himself is typically quite a secretive deity. Um, he very much has to do with what we know about like the zodiac sign Scorpio, right? And he has so many aspects and attributes and epithets that are attributed to him and, you know, parts of his personality. Um, but there is, you know, this part of him that I think we know more societally um, that is Hades as sort of this secretive scorpionic um person and personality who is totally for the most part like content on his own and doesn't wish to communicate with other deities in his pantheon doesn't wish to leave the underworld very often and all this is for the most part totally true right um he definitely thinks like hey if I can get it done down here, like that's cool, right? I don't want to have to go out of my way to um, talk to people or be involved with drama or be involved with things that really do not matter, right? He's very, you know, um, loyal to his realm and he doesn't want to leave it, right? He does, he's so loyal and he knows what his job is. He's very like dutiful um, to the peoples of his land that he does not want to do anything that would distract him from that purpose, which, you know, relationships and gossip and other things like that um, would typically do so. However, he is very loving of the people and the souls that revere him for millennia he has been feared and hated and a lot of his epithets were discussed to distract from the fact that he is a deity that rules over death right and so even though he's not like the god of death he has some sort of rulership over death um and i think another reason that people feared him was just because they thought that when, you know, you uttered his name, um, it would evoke him to come and get you or it would just evoke like this sense of gloominess or loneliness or this fate of death to be applied to you in the near future, which, you know, everybody dies. So I don't know why everyone's like <laughs> everyone in the ancient world was so afraid of afraid of it. But I guess it makes sense, right? Because in the ancient world, you know, death was so much more prevalent. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Like, obviously, death is extremely prevalent in every society because we're mortal beings um, and in every time period. But, you know, in the ancient world, you know, your mom could get sick and there would be no way to treat her, right? It could just be like an illness that we get now and, you know, we just take some medication and like we're fine, right? Um, or we, you know, have our remedies or we have like ways of working around that. We have hygiene that supports, um, you know, medical efforts now. And so back in the day, like, yeah, it makes sense that they would be so afraid of death um, and maybe associate <clears throat> saying Hades' name with suddenly somebody in your family passing away, right? So that was sort of the view of Hades, um, even though it doesn't really make sense because he never actually came and got anybody, <laughs> right? Like he never, he's not like showing up to your door, <clears throat> but um, it was just his name, right? And his essence and the fact that his name Hades um, is also the, wor the word for his realm, right? We call the underworld Hades um, and Hades means the unseen. That's what it means. That's what the name means. And so 
he and his world and his realm are all interconnected. Um, he's this very interesting deity that even though he is secretive, um, he is almost like everywhere all at once. Um, the pagan deities aren't omniscient. That's sort of like an Abrahamic quality to deities. Um, there might be some pagan deities that feel a little bit more grand, feel a little bit more omniscient than others. But as a sort of general rule, um, pagan deities are not omnipresent. They can't like hear your thoughts. They're not like up in your head, like everywhere, right? <laughs> but Hades has this quality to him where he is kind of like everywhere all at once. Like he's in the underworld. He is the underworld. He's on earth. He's not on earth. He's everywhere, you know. And this idea comes from the fact that he has this tool that he uses called the Helm of Invisibility. This was created for him um, in the Titan War, uh, the war this sort of mythological war where um, the Olympian deities like Zeus and his brothers, Hades being one of them, and a lot of the other um, newer deities at the time were trying to overthrow the Titans who was led by Kronos, um, you know, Hades and Zeus's father who tried to eat them and basically make them so that they could never be powerful enough to overthrow him. And so the war was about overthrowing Kronos um, and taking their thrones um and so he had this tool called the helm of invisibility where he could wear it and he would be completely invisible to both gods and man and this is really interesting you know it sort of um gives him this even more supernatural quality that he has over other deities right and a lot of deities have like these special attributes that <clears throat> make them very powerful um but this is why hades is so deeply powerful right is because he's like one of the only deities maybe like helios being the other one in the greek pantheon that i can think of um that has this potential to be powerful enough to be like more omniscient or be more um not all seeing because that's not that's not like the implication i'm trying to draw but like so persistent and pervasive in the world that he almost hangs around like an energy or like a you know cover on, on the world that's kind of what i'm imagining right like he's sort of like hanging around in the air you know he could be he could be you know here watching you listen to this podcast right now and you wouldn't ever know or he could be not you know he could just be in the underworld just hanging out um i i won't get into it because it's gonna be like the three hour long podcast where Angelica's talking about like all these theological theories that she has about deities. Um, but I find that with every deity, there is this potential for them to split themselves up. And like, this is a, such a stupid example, but it's like kind of like Santa, right? Like, you know, your parents would be like, oh yeah, Santa like has all these other Santas that work for him, like all the mall Santas, right? <laughs> Oh my god. Um, so it's it's the worst it's the worst way I could explain this ever, but it's kind of like the mall Santa thing, right? Where like, you know, you go and take a picture with Santa at the mall and you're like, you know he's not actually Santa, <clears throat> but you know he's like a part of Santa's like regime, you know what I mean? And that's kind of with the deities too, right? They all have this potential to 
split up their energy and like splinter and fraction their energy but rather than them becoming less powerful and having their energy in more places it's kind of like the opposite where they are this powerful source entity and they can split up themselves to be in certain places at once be acting out certain things all at once um and that's what i truly believe about the pagan deities um so and really any deity so even though they're not omniscient, the very powerful deities in particular, like Zeus and Hades, you know, come come to play and come to my mind when I say like a powerful deity, right? Odin is maybe one of them too, um, where they have so much power and so much potential to be able to split themselves up and splinter themselves throughout the world. And so that's maybe why, you know... Um, certain people have certain experiences with Hades that might differ and might be different. Um, it's not that anybody's wrong or anybody's experiencing, you know, things that aren't true um, or that Hades is inconsistent. It's just more of like there is so much to his energy and to all of his personalities and epithets and archetypes. And sometimes they can compete with each other, right? Um, it's kind of like within all of us where one day you have a certain belief, maybe because of something that you felt or read or experienced that day, and then the next day you could feel totally different, right? <laughs> you know, um, so the deities go through that as well. And it's less of like they're flawed and they're changing and like they don't know anything. I mean, I do believe that the pagan deities are inherently flawed, you know, but that's totally fine and we are too so like who really cares um that's part of what makes them the deities that rule over humans over the titan deities in the greek pantheon but um you know it's more of that they have so many archetypes and so many things that they have to do and from that lots of different types of personalities right and so i totally believe that but I'm going to be talking about um, in this episode, this is a good segue to, you know, my experiences with Hades. Um, there's something called a UPG in the pagan community, which is like, it's called, um, the acronym stands for Unverified Personal Gnosis. Um, and this is where you receive, you know, divination and prophecy, revelation, whatever you want to say, right, from your deities um you get information from these deities through your own personal experiences with them and they're unverified you know so what i am saying about hades um here in this episode is my personal experience and it might you know it's not canon right <laughs> like nothing can be canon in the pagan world it's like impossible you know that's not the way that this theology works um again i won't go into it but there's so many kind of arguments that scholars make about paganism being sort of like not even a religion because it doesn't have like a unified belief system in any way and it has even in the ancient world relied on personal and family um interpretations and stuff like that and devotions and i love that about this um way of life and this belief system that i have and i think that every single pagan should be able to come up with their own um, conclusions and communicate with these deities on their own, right? I have worked with tons of clients and <clears throat> colleagues and friends who also work with Hades that have given me their firsthand experience and really taken me through their journeys. So I will say that my UPG is partially um, 
kind of influenced by the fact that I have talked to, I think maybe about a hundred or more Hades devotees at this point and have had, you know, intimate conversations with them about their relationship to Hades and in what they've experienced. And so I believe that I can give you a little bit more of a, um, <laughs> like it's not verified, right? Like, you know, it's not like this is the official opinion, but it's a much more, um, educated and wide, widely, um, gathered, maybe that's what I'll say, opinion about Hades and, and what he's like, right? So that's what I'll leave it at. Okay, so the first favorite story that I have with Hades is when I first started working with him, um, I essentially first started working with Hades when I was a teenager, um, and this story is not going to be the story of how I first connected with him. Um, that's going to be in episode one. If you want, you can re-watch episode one. It's, it's a really, really beautiful episode about, you know, my personal journey through both witchcraft and deity work and just to where I am now in general. Um, but basically, I was really interested in working with Hades. Um, he'd always really interested me. I didn't have any other uh, relationships with deities at this time, and I wanted to f start forging them. And Hades was kind of like my first um, de deity that I began working with. And I had a really profound, like physical spiritual experience with him where um, I felt things moving around me. I felt like weird wind in my room, even though like it was the middle of January and all my windows were closed and it was like like 2 a.m., right? And I just felt like literal breeze, like whooshing wind um, in my room and, and whatnot. So that is an episode one, if you want to go rewatch that. But um, maybe a couple years after I began working with him, <clears throat> I would do lots of spells with him and would, you know, give him lots of devotions and that sort of thing, give him a lot of offerings. Um, and I remember this one day, it was August 17th, I think it was 2017, or maybe it was like August 20th. It was like the middle of August in 2017. And this was an eclipse, actually. It was like the total solar eclipse um, that was, that happened a couple of years ago. And my parents are really into astronomy um more so my dad like my mom does does not care <laughs> she's just like whatever I'll I'll go along with the ride um and I always joke that I am the astrology daughter of like the astronomy dad like literally when I was a kid my dad would um wake me up at like midnight you know and be like come outside and like check out like the stars right now like jupiter is really visible at this time of year like something like that like it would just be almost every week it felt like we were out there with a telescope we were like looking at you know the sky um it's it was really helpful in my kind of first interest in astrology i think because i just could look up to the sky and even when I was like a teenager and I could tell you what all the planets were, what all the bodies were, what all the major stars were. And um, that became, you know, a huge interest of mine when I started actually learning about astrology was that like, wow, it's so interesting that, you know, you can see these all in the night sky. But anyway, so they were a way to view the total solar eclipse. They went to um, St. Louis, Missouri to do so. And it was just me and my sister. 
Um, and I was like, okay, I'm doing a spell. This was, by the way, before I, you know, learned a little bit more about like eclipse season and how eclipses are maybe not like the perfect time to do spell work. So this is before then, but it all worked out. Like nothing, nothing bad happened whatsoever. It is probably one of my quickest spells that I've received results from to date. And, um, I'm honestly like totally obsessed with what happened but anyway I'll get into it so I decided to do a spell outside during the um total solar eclipse and you it was only partial where I was in Massachusetts um so I didn't even really see anything happen like to be honest but I knew it was going on so I set everything up outside on my deck I used to do a lot of spells outside when I was a teenager um I don't know why like it was just I don't know if I thought like you had to do spells outside I think like there was sort of a flawed belief system there but it was still kind of a vibe right and so I was outside and I decided to make cupcakes for Hades because I just felt like that's what he wanted like I sort of touched in with him and and asked him psychically like what can I do for you you know I'm I'm gonna ask you for um something I'm gonna do a spell with you and petition you for something is there anything I can get you that you want And I decided to make him chocolate cupcakes, um, chocolate cake, chocolate frosting. And I did so. And then I took a couple of them outside and left them on the altar. And then during the eclipse, I sat down and did the spell. It was like in the middle of the day. It was was a really beautiful spell. Um, And I remember saying to Hades, hey, like I need you to help me because I'm trying to buy books for college. I'm trying to buy like textbooks and I had to buy like very expensive ones that year. I was like doing a lot of, I was like taking a lot of classes that required more expensive books. Um, And I, this was like rare for me because I was an English major and a philosophy major and I took marketing classes as well. And um, it was quite rare for me to need like a ton of books um because it was typically just like novels and things but I think this year we're taking like a lot of philosophy or maybe like a language or something but I had I would say around $300 worth of books to buy that year and at the time like you know I just didn't either have the money or just felt like yeah I needed to use that money elsewhere so I was like I need you know some cash flow to get me these books And when I asked him for this, I was thinking about all the ways it could potentially come to me, right? And I was like, okay, well, the obvious thing that could happen is that I just get more hours at work and that is going to cover the $300 or so, right? And that was like totally valid and valuable. I was working retail at this time and there was like a ton of opportunities to, you know, pick up shifts and things like that. So I was like, all right, this spell will just help me pick up some shifts. Maybe I'll get some, you know money like for back to school right um I was in college at this point but you know it was like August and school was about to start so I'm like maybe someone's gonna give me like a 50 dollar bill for school or something I don't know like you know like some aunt or family member or something I was just like kind of going through the options but I just decided like you know I am gonna let this happen right um I think with spell work a big thing to do and make sure that you have is you don't have to like have this detailed description of exactly what you think is going to happen because it usually is not going to happen that way, but you need to at least believe that it could happen. 
And sometimes the easiest way to do that is write out some possibilities of how you could make that happen, right? Because your mind and your ego and your rational brain really likes rational, um, you know, methods and and ways that things could happen, right? Um, Especially if something feels like very out of your touch and like you can't achieve it or attain it at this time. If you're doing a spell for it, um, you're admitting to yourself that there is some way that the universe could provide this to you in a timely manner and you need to sort of get on the same page with that and tell yourself that this is going to happen. So I definitely remember having this very clear like belief that this was totally going to work and I was totally going to get the money. Like I did not like, you know think it wasn't going to happen at all. I just didn't think it was going to happen in the way it ended up happening. So that's what happened. I did the spell. I gave Hades his chocolate cupcake and he expressed to me that he really, really, really liked it. And he liked two things about it. One was that I made it and it was homemade and he really appreciated that. The other one was that he loves chocolate. And he said to me in that moment, like, anything else that's chocolatey, please give it to me because I love chocolate. Um, And so from there on out, that's where I created my, you know, UPG that I tell everybody that works with Hades, you need to give him both home-baked items and chocolate. So brownies he's obsessed with, um, chocolate cake, like anything like that. He loves whoopie pies, like even, you know, things like that. Um, And still to this day, like that's number one offering for Hades because he just loved it so much. So anyway, I cleaned up the altar. I go back into the house. Um, It's maybe like 30 or 40 minutes after I did the spell at this time because it just took me a while to like clean, clean everything up and bring everything back in. And then maybe about an hour, an hour and a half after the spell, I sat down at my laptop and I was just like, you know, checking my email, doing whatever you did in 2017 on, you know, the internet. Was there Tumblr? Did did Tumblr get, (laughs) was that like already dead? I don't even know. (laughs) But that's what I did. And I checked my email. Um, It was my student email from the college that I went to. And I noticed that about 30 minutes prior, um, the email was stamped. So this would have been maybe like 30 minutes after I performed the spell. And like while I was cleaning it up, this email would have gotten sent to me. Um, so it was definitely sent after the fact. And it, I opened it. it was this email that said, you have a book advance from the, um, you know, I went to Salem State, which is the um, university in Salem, Massachusetts. So you have, um, you know, this book advance from the Salem State bookstore. And I was like, what the fuck? This is so crazy. And I read it more in depth. I thought it was like a spam thing at first. I was like, is this even from Salem State? And then I went in depth and read it and it said you have $600 in your balance that you can use for books this year, not even just this this semester, but this year. And yeah, like go for it. You can order all the books you want and go pick them up. And I was like shocked because first of all, I had quoted this as $300. And so that's kind of what I asked for. I, I said you know, the money to help me pay for my books. But then I sort of said, you know, it'll be probably about $300. And so I got exactly double the amount that I asked for. And it literally came in 30 minutes after after I did the spell, 30 minutes after I petitioned Hades. And he said, yep, received, you're good. By the way, the cupcake, love this shit. Like, it was so good. You have to make these again. And 
I got the book advance and it was so strange because I never got the book advance ever before. This was like my sophomore year of college or junior year. So this was like right in the middle of, of my college experience. And I'd never gotten the advance before and I never got it after. And I, you know, asked people at the college, like, what's up with the book advance? Like who gets those? And the answer that I got was that, oh, it's like associated with your financial aid. But I had a scholarship and I to my knowledge, was not any financial aid at all, um, other than the fact that I had a scholarship. But I'd never, ever gotten book advances in any of the years prior, right? Like, that was just not part of the scholarship at all. Um, and that's something that I, like, research. I'm like, does that have something to do with my scholarship? And, like, that wasn't the case. And so I was so confused, and it literally never happened again. Um, and that was, yeah, the only time that I ever got a book advance from my college to pay for my books. Um, and that was like probably, it's like one of my favorite things that has ever happened with Hades, but it's probably my favorite story too about manifestation and magic because I think so many people do not realize how truly unlimited and magical the universe is and like even when we you know think about okay we're manifesting x y and z right we think about it through such a reality focused um way and like through reasoning and through like okay i'm gonna do this spell and then i'm gonna get more hours at work right which can totally happen but i think we to become better witches and manifestors and business owners we need to admit that we are a match for wild and unexpected things happening to us. We are a match for unlimited abundance, which can come in the form of, you know, vouchers like I had gotten or just like things that we don't think are real or are for us or that exist in our society. Those things can happen to us and we are an energetic match for them, right? Like I did not think I was going to get this this voucher to pay for my books, right? I mean, it was ridiculous. Like it was literally the way I see it metaphysically was that Hades and the universe went into the system at Salem State University and added my name to the list of, um, you know, people that were going to get this email, right? Like that's kind of how I see it, right? Or maybe they just went in and just triggered and sent the email. And then, you know, I checked the balance at the bookstore and it was still, it was there too. So it was like, not even just that. It was like, I became part of this program that I probably shouldn't have been on, you know, through magic. And that became available to me when I decided that I was going to be a match for that energy. And so just a word to all of my witches and manifestors and entrepreneurs out there is to think limitlessly and do not ever get wrapped up in this whole like, well, that's unrealistic. I don't want to be delusional. I don't want to be like, you know, in this world of, you know, I don't know, like magic when we live in this world of reality. Uh-uh, we live in a world of magic. The sooner you, you realize that, the sooner you get used to it, the more you can get out of it and the more you can manifest. So just, just admit it to yourself. It's fine. It's safe. It's okay. <laughs> Another story that I love talking about is when I drove down to Florida and was doing some like stealth camping stuff there and just like traveling around. So for context, um, I'm a Sagittarius moon and I love, love travel. It's like my favorite thing in the entire world. Um, <laughs> I'm just obsessed. Any opportunity I can get to go somewhere, travel, even if it's like 
a road trip sleeping in my car kind of jam. I am down for, I love that kind of stuff. I love adventure. And I'm married to a Sagittarius sun and stellium. So it's quite easy for us to decide, oh, what do you, what do you want to do? Right. Oh, let's just drive down to Florida for the month and, you know, live in our car and hang out. Right. So, um, I think it was like two, was it two years ago or a year and a half ago? Sometime recently we, um, went down to Florida and drove down. We have like a big car that we, um, it's like an SUV and like we built out part of the back of it to convert to like a bed and stuff like that um, for us to sleep in when we travel. Um, it's like all removable. So, you know, when we're not traveling, we don't have it in there. Um, but it's like kind of a cool thing that we, we had in our car for a while. And so we used that and we like packed all our stuff and we went down there. Maybe not like everything, but we packed, you know, enough to be gone for like a month. And the destination was New, uh, New Orleans as well as um, like all of Florida. We like went literally everywhere in Florida um, and just like the South in general. And so we drove down from, you know, New England. And whenever I travel, I feel so close to Hades and I really don't know what it is. Um, I'm curious like for anybody's sort of interpretations of this. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the fact that we're like out in the world, we're like in the earth, you know, like we're kind of outside, like we're doing a lot of camping. I don't know if it's because um, travel is kind of like liminal and, you know, maybe that liminal quality is what, you know, attracts Hades' energy to me. Um, but whenever we travel, more so than anything else, like more so than when I have his huge altar set up in my home and it's fully lit, I just feel so close to Hades. I, I really don't know what it is. And so I was doing a lot of prayers um, while we drove. I think that that might be part of it is that like you have so much time when you're traveling like that to, you know, think and ponder and read prayers and write prayers and, you know, just kind of get into it. And so I was, I was reading and writing a lot of prayers for him and was doing my devotionals every day to him and just thought it was so fun. Like we would go on a hike in like, you know, a national park and I would, you know, say prayers to him and um, celebrate him as I walked through like the beautiful mountains and um, caves and forests and things like that. We actually went to a cave in Virginia that had like all these rock formations in the cave that were named after Hades and Persephone and it was so cool and I just remember like a family was telling their children while we were in the cave about Hades and Persephone and I walked by them and it just felt like such a devotional experience in its own right like just sort of witnessing these normal people like talking and telling the myth and experiencing that. And we were like a hundred feet into the ground in like a cave and it was so cool. Um, like stalagmites and like all sorts of stuff. Like it was just amazing. Um, and so that was really cool and super thonic and underworld. Um, but then the rest of this trip to Florida was like the most thonic thing ever. Like we um, went to Casadega and I got like readings done um, and we had like a lot of um, just like downtime in Casadega and like meditation time. Um, Casadega is sometimes referred to as like the Salem of the South. It's like um, a spiritualist camp of mediums and readers and like a lot of like new agey people. 
Um, and they basically have like a little township. It's not like an official town. It's not like incorporated, but um, it's like this little part of the town that is all mediums and readers. And it, it's super cool. They have like this haunted hotel there. Um, if you're ever in like northern Florida um, near like Cocoa Beach, it's um, it's right around there and it's incredible. So you should definitely check it out. But I went to Casadega, you know, had some spiritual downtime and kind of rest and relaxation there and then um we went down to miami and miami i really do associate with hades's energy um and then we went to the everglades we went to the big cypress reserve and then we were in naples florida for a while and that whole area with like all the cypress trees um was just so like his energy i can't even explain it but cypress is um sacred to Hades um and those like huge trees like those swampy like cypress trees with like the the pale gray roots um those are like Hades energy to the max and I just felt like from touching the trees and I have like all sorts of pictures of me with the trees like I could just feel him like through the trees and it was just I don't know, I probably sound like <laughs> I mean everyone listening is like oh I totally get it right like you guys aren't like this this sounds wild and and crazy but um so that was just like an experience I had with him traveling where I just felt like every single day on the trip I got closer and closer to his energy and it kind of culminated with um when we were going to New Orleans we we're like visiting one of our really good friends and we were driving through Alabama um, on the way to like the New Orleans area and we stopped at this rest stop um, and then while my husband was like inside getting like snacks or whatever he was doing um, I was in the parking lot of the gas station side of the rest stop and I saw across the street there was a liquor store called Sticks Liquors and it was like S-T-Y-X and I was like oh my god that's like the river sticks like what the fuck and then I looked to the left of me and there was a big river and I read the sign like I kind of got closer and read the sign and the river was called the river sticks and I was like what like that is wild and you know the south is kind of known for like using a lot of Greek mythology um, in its names and, you know, in its town names. And yeah, it's just kind of like a part of the architecture planning mythos of the South in a lot of ways. Um, and so I wasn't, I shouldn't have been that surprised, but I was like so shocked and surprised. Um, New Orleans in general has a ton of uh, Greek mythology inspired like names for streets and things like that, like Elysian Fields is the you know place in the underworld where you go to um like have paradise basically it's like the most exalted place in the underworld and there's you know a big street um in new orleans called elysian fields in bywater i believe um but anyway um so that is another experience i had with hades it was more of like the whole trip was just so phonic and underworld and then like we ended it in new orleans I have some other travel stories with Hades um, and I won't get into all of them because they all kind of have the same flavor of like, I was doing a lot of prayers with Hades at the time. I was really involved in my devotionals and I just felt really close to him and I was in all these different areas in the you know country that made me kind of see him in different ways. Um, when I used to live in Zion National Park, I would walk to work every morning and it would be like, 
pitch black. And I mean, it was terrifying. Like walking in the middle of a national park with like wild animals <laughs> everywhere and you you have to walk to work in the national park. Um, and it's like pitch black. Like it was horrifying. It really was. Like I was like, oh my goodness, like this is kind of scary. And I used to have like people walk with me and like sometimes I could catch a ride with like the people that worked on the property and like you know sometimes it worked out um but other times you were just like in the pitch black and you're like is there a mountain lion stalking me i don't know um but those were really really special times if i could get over like the fear in a way of diving in with hades and i would kind of use that as like a devotional thing like i'm gonna do this walk um and it was very short like it was it was short but it was kind of like scary right um i'm gonna walk in the pitch black and i'm gonna devote this to you and like getting over kind of this fear in a way um and so that was always very special and i felt really close to him there and when i was just doing a lot of hikes um my pluto line runs through like sedona and um utah and like kind of went up through zion and up through salt lake city in montana and it's so true because i love the american west um i really really highly feel like i had a past life life there um i just adore the west um and especially like the utah montana area the most it's just gorgeous and you know typically pluto lines are supposed to be places where you feel like you're having a lot of intense transformations in and it can be kind of frustrating and scary and disturbing and um difficult on your mental health like that's like typically the pluto line in astrocartography's um mo and i felt a lot of transformation there but i didn't feel the negative um, effects. And I do think it's because I work with Hades and I was doing a lot of like Hades Pluto remediation um, while I was there. And, you know, obviously working with him very heavily, I think not always, but I think can sometimes give you a little bit more immunity towards Plutonic things. I mean, every single person that works with Hades probably has a ton of natal um, plutonic placements, you know, conjunctions with the moon or the sun, um, or a variety of other, you know, plutonic placements in a birth chart. Um, like we all have that personality that is that, you know, scorpionic plutonic kind of energy. But, um, sometimes if we can really work with him in a way that's constructive and, um, helps us through some of these things that we've experienced as Plutonic people. Um, it can make future transits with Pluto feel like you're coming back to yourself, feel like you're transforming and shedding your skin um, rather than sometimes the more negative effects. And it's kind of like the same with Saturn and all of the sort of malefic planets, right? You know, if you naturally work with those energies and learn to love them and attribute them and learn the lessons of those planets, you're going to feel their effects less destructively. And then the last um, experience that I will share in this particular episode was about coming into the underworld and seeing what I call the red room um, in the underworld for the first time. And so this is a place that whenever I take clients to this place or whenever in House of Hades Society, my membership group, we dive into this place. Um, people tend to be like, okay, I've been here before. This is a place that I've always um, 
come to when I visit the underworld and I never knew really what it was. I have called it the Red Room. It is kind of like this lounge bar area that I imagine to be in the palace of Hades in the underworld. And it's like totally red and it just looks like it's just like super sexy and super fun. And it just looks like this beautiful lounge, right? Um, and so I first came to this place in a dream. And basically the way that I got into the dream, you know, the dream logic and stuff like that was kind of weird. And I was like in this city that was inhabited by Greek gods, but like it wasn't really the underworld. Um, it was just like this dream of like this, city and it felt it looked almost like futuristic it was really really interesting um i think it was like an astral portal to the underworld now that i'm like kind of delineating it and thinking back to it um but i remember you know a woman um that almost looked like me like she had like black hair like i could tell she was like a priestess of hades in some way um maybe she was like a spirit guide that helped people work with hades um maybe she was like a priestess that was you know passed away that was in the underworld that was kind of like in between incarnations um i don't really know exactly who or what she was but she took me to like the top of this tower in this like weird futuristic city and Hades was there. Um, he just looked exactly like how I always pictured him. Um, and it almost like shocked me because sometimes in dreams, Hades can take on like slightly different forms, but it was exactly how I imagined him and how I've always seen him. And we were, you know, she basically sat me down at this table with him and we were in this red room um, and it was sort of overlooking like this city. Um, but then I remember, you know, looking to him and then looking back and it was all gone. Like the city was totally gone behind us. And I remember saying like, what happened? Like, I thought we were in this like city and he was like, oh, we're, we're in the underworld now. Like, you know, you got brought from the city into the underworld here. And that's where this room takes place. And that's where he told me, you know, this is in my palace. Um, he told me some other stuff that day as well, just like messages that, you know, he wanted to send to me. And he just said, you know, I brought you here because I want you to know this place and I want you um, to know that you can always come here. Um, and it was just so beautiful um, and such a very strong, like, dream presence with him. Um, Hades communicates a lot in dreams, but sometimes it can be more cryptic or it can be more like not as clear as him like sitting me down and being like, this is what you need to do, right? <laughs> um, I think that those are like sometimes so rare because sometimes we don't need that. We can be communicated with in different ways and sometimes dreams that are more cryptic can dive deeper into our subconscious. But this was one of my dreams with him that was like purely for my conscious brain, right? It was like for my ego. It was for the rational part of me. And usually that happens, right? When like your subconscious is trying to make changes and nothing will budge. And so, you know, the deity needs to talk to your ego in that way. Um, and it was so cool. And I don't know. I just wanted to share that one as well as like definitely not, you know, it happened when I was asleep, but um that's, I think, for Hades devotees and a lot of underworld devotees where a lot of messages can come through because sleep is associated with, you know, entering into different realms, dimensions, all sorts of stuff like that. And especially like Thonic underworld deities can communicate really effectively through dreams. 
All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was a little bit longer than usual, so I hope you didn't mind that. Um, but I think all of the stories here were at least fun to tell from my perspective. So I hope you enjoyed listening to them. Um, and stay tuned for more spooky episodes this October. If you want to request um, an episode or a topic that I should dive into, go over on Instagram at Angelica S. Kreshi and ask me there. I also wanted to announce that I started a new Instagram page um, that's just going to be for my Hades content and talking about Hades in particular. The new Instagram is called Cypress Altar. Both of my Instagram handles, my personal account, like my, you know, business coaching account and sort of like, yeah, my name account, Angelica S. Kreshi and Cypress Altar will be linked in the description so you can check them both out. Make sure you're following me on both of them. And Cypress Altar is kind of going to be like my home for all things Hades and all like launches that I have to do with Hades and stuff like that. Um, House of Hades Society is the way to work with me right now. Um, if you want to dive into your relationship with Hades deeper, um, House of Hades Society is tier two of my membership group. And we have technically four membership um, events every month. Two of them are group readings where we do astro forecasts and we um, do a reading for everybody present and everybody watching. I read the energy of the entire membership group. Um, and then you also get two classes or events every single month. So what we usually do is we meet once for a class and then the next meeting that month is typically like a spell or a ritual or some sort of group event. Sometimes it's like a meditation where we all go to the underworld. Um, and it's a really great it's the membership group for you if you are a Hades devotee or just curious about working with Hades or the underworld deities in general and just want to be part of a community of people that do and, you know, experience it that way. So it is a really beautiful group. We have so many classes in the archive as well of, you know, classes that I've previously held that you can go through when you're part of the group and rewatch. Um, so there's a ton of information on magic and, you know, Hades topics in general. Um, a recent episode we did or a recent um, class we did, I should say, was on glamour magic with Hades. And I'm already getting rave reviews from everyone that was in that class and have watched the replay of like how helpful it was and what a great primer on glamour magic um, it was. And so that is all in tier two of House of Hades Society. Um, I also have my Astro Tarot Academy that is beginning this week. So if you're watching this um, the week it came out, Astro Tarot Academy, my 12-week um, nine-class astrology and tarot course is beginning this week. Um, you still have time to join, um, so just follow the link in the description or the show notes, I should say, and join. Um, if you want to learn tarot and astrology this fall, if you want to dive deeper into your skills and have better accuracy in your readings, this is the course for you, and this is probably the last time that I'm going to run it live, so I highly recommend joining this cohort. All right, everybody, thanks so much for listening, and we will talk super soon. Goodbye.